welcome everyone to I So Appreciate You, a raw, funny, and uniquely insightful podcast about the issues and opportunities we all face as values-based leaders and humans. I'm Nadej. And I'm Melanie. We're colleagues at the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation, and we're friends. When we get together, our conversations can go anywhere, especially when bringing a friend or two along for the ride. So we're inviting you to join us and some incredible guests as we explore the challenges and triumphs of people shaking up our community for the better. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. We get to spend time with Adrian Benjamin, who is the reconciliation advisor to the company Minnetonka. In 2020, they made a very serious and public commitment to reparations. And so we're going to talk about her job, which... It's the first time I've heard of this position, so I'm very excited to dig into it and all that it means. So, Nadej, we have a we have a lot to cover. We do, um, and and it's so important, but it's it's also so interesting because, right? She's going to be talking about cultural appropriation, yes. which is big and deep. Um, but I just keep thinking, you know, how often this concept kind of shows up in fashion. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was out shopping at the Minneapolis Vintage Market and um, I, I drug, uh, drug, drag, drug. I don't know, but can you drug me there? I don't know. Sometime because yes. I need some clothes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the next one. But, yes. but I made Joshua come with me um, and we were looking on a shelf and he, he pulled his shirt out and he was like, oh, what do you think about this? And mm. I had seen the shirt and it was like loosely and poorly described, sort of like a red Chinese style shirt. Okay. And I literally looked at him and said, can I wear this? Ah, yes. Now, whether or not I could, it it wasn't like my size. So like the conversation didn't last very long. Um, But just thinking about Adrian and the work that she's doing, like that little sort of silly moment. um, I also think that I didn't ponder on it too much because I'm still a little salty about that trip. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to tell you why. Why is that? So like I said, I brought Joshua yes. to the market and he was like coming as a like, you know, Hey, we're going to do this. And then maybe we'll go to brunch. Uh-huh. And so like, I find this one cute sweater. I'll show it to you sometime. Okay. This man left the market yeah. with four jackets. One of them, Dior, one of them, uh, Versace. <laughs> perfect fit. Mm. Help me understand how we go to a market because I want to go and he's leaving rocking vintage designer threads that fit him perfectly. Did he share these on his stories on Instagram by chance? Because he was looking really fine. (laughs) He he posted a picture and I just, I'm still a little sour about it. So now next time I go, I can't take him. So yeah, you definitely get to come (laughs) and and we'll have a little fun. Right. Uh, That sounds great. Nadej. I think we're fun. Do you want to know why? Why? Uh, Because we are good now at grabbing spontaneous guests. We had your daughter join us the other day and had a great conversation. And we were just in the hallway and spotted someone that we wanted to talk to. Our, well, our boss. Yeah, our president CEO, Dr. Eric Eric Jolly. Yes, yes. So, Eric, thanks for jumping on with us for a little bit. I think I want to say you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we'll see how it goes, yeah. I mean, we could probably talk about anything, but just to warm us up, we're going to give you the same three quick questions that we're ultimately going to give our guests. Um, So first question, introvert or extrovert? Introvert, hands down, measured by anterior reticular activating system (laughs) in my brain. 
It's confirmed medically. Okay, but I just want to point out, you're the kind of introvert that like feels also totally comfortable speaking to a room of 3,000 people. Much more comfortable with 3,000 than three mm-hmm. who happen yeah. to be sitting in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next question, beachside resort or hillside cottage? Which is further from people in civilization. <laughs> Okay, that's not yeah. okay. given. Given my yeah. brother's hillside resort, uh, hillside cottage, because nice. I can take a nice walk, feed the birds, and enjoy myself. Excellent. And then finally, write an email or write a letter. If I have time, write the letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, we'll be looking for that letter. <laughs> yeah, I've Dr. never Charlie. gotten a letter. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric. Today we have a, a special guest, Adrienne Benjamin, and we're going to talk a lot with her about her, the work she's doing. And one of the things that um, Nadezh and I have been working through is this notion of cultural appropriation, which um, is a big topic. And what I was saying before we started recording this is I think for some people, we really need to break it down for why it is even important and why it matters and why it can be harmful. And since you're a former professor who is really talented at teaching these complex concepts. And I know you do work around um, this as well. How would you, how would you respond to that? What is it and why is it um, harmful? Wow. (laughs) I know the easy question. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to, I don't have the professor's textbook definition of cultural appropriation. That's why. But it is about distorting someone else's culture. Mm -hmm. It's about, playing off of someone else's culture with a sense of uh, agency and legitimacy, which is unearned and ungrounded in experience. And so it's cultural appropriation when I tell you how the others think, act, do, or if I pretend to represent something of them. It's not cultural appropriation to reference, to build off Mm -hmm. of, and to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think... It's important to be able to say that I, as an artist, have influenced others outside of my culture. Right. But it is not appropriate for them to say, look at how I do Cherokee double wall baskets. Right, right. And I think that's one of the nuances that people miss. Engagement with another person's culture. Um, trying to gain facility with it and communicate across it is a wonderful, joyful thing that um, most people of color have experience with since the day they were born. Right. Uh, But we want others to have and get to know us. And I think um, we need to encourage that, but it is not the same as taking ownership or having agency with it. That's a distinction that I make. Do you ever think, um, you know, just a follow-up question, there's the line between, I think what you're describing could maybe be broadly characterized as appreciation versus appropriation does that line move or is it is it placed Mm, or fixed in time like in in your estimation i think that line moves according to time and according to stress Mm. and so when understanding the need for someone's identity to be expressed and present is strong because of social stress then that line is firm and um, much more present in everyone's life. There's a movement in the American Indian community. Um, we are still here. Wash. And, and it's 
coming from a sense of too many people put us in a historical perspective and don't understand that mm-hmm. every day we're still present. Right. Every day Native women are uh, accosted and uh, disappear at a higher rate than almost any other culture. Every day we have different challenges. And if we can't acknowledge that we are still here, we'll become someone's appropriated memory. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I feel like we could unpack this all in a, in a whole episode, but I also know that we grabbed you out of of your schedule. But but I mean, I, you say that that wasn't the professor's definition, but no, but you are a natural teacher and that was really, really helpful. Eric, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. It's fun to be here and having these conversations. What a special um, environment for me to come to work in every day when I can have people like you asking questions like this and know that this is what we do here. And now we know you're going to be hiding when you see recording equipment up here from here on out. But <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. That's a mistake I will not make again. Well, I'll no. go out for lunch. <laughs> well, thank you for yeah, stopping for by. Joining. We appreciate thank it. You. And we'll be right back with our guest, Adrian Benjamin. I So Appreciate You is just one of the many initiatives we are working on at the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. Want to learn more about how we aim to create an equitable, just, and vibrant Minnesota? Join our email list by visiting us at spmcf.org. While you're there, make sure to check out our blog and follow us on social media. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have not yet had a chance to listen to past episodes of I So Appreciate You, visit spmcf.org backslash podcast to catch up. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Welcome back. I am so excited to introduce you all to our guest today, Adrian Benjamin. Um, We could probably spend the entire episode going through your background because it's so fascinating, but I'm going to just do a couple of bullet points so that our listeners get to know you just a little bit better. Um, You are an artist um, and also particularly a master dressmaker, um, a community builder, uh, a Nishinaabe and a member of the Malax Band of Ojibwe, and you're a reconciliation advisor. And we're going to come back to that because I imagine we might have some listeners who are like, What's a reconciliation advisor? Adrian, we have uh, just three quick either or questions for you. So, uh, and I have a bet on this first one because I've now um, spent some time with you online and I'll see if I'm right. Okay. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? My, I swing all the way introvert all the time, which just surprises people. Oh, I'm surprised based on some of the, some of the conversations I've listened to. Okay, I was wrong. Um, beachside resort or hillside cottage? Hillside cottage. Mm, oh, you didn't nice. even hesitate on that no, one. That Is there really... like an image in your mind when you... I love Paradise Valley in Montana. I've visited oh. there a couple of times and that's like where I feel really peaceful. Happy so place, great. Uh, write an email or write a letter? Oh, I like the letter. I, think oh. it's, I write some poetry and with, uh, write with some friends. So Wonderful. to me, those are still meaningful things. 
Uh, yeah, I, I wish we wrote more letters to each other in this time I mean, and place. I mean, think about like, you know, back in the days people, or not, like now people find old letters mm-hmm. and you sort of relive correspondence. No one's going through my 70,000 emails <laughs> no. to like relive correspondence. <laughs> my no. daughter can't read cursive. That was an opener for me. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, wow. she's 13. So yep. that's yep. sad. The letter writing is not like right we got to bring it back yes. we do all right we're starting a campaign all right yeah letter all right let's do it yes i'd have to improve my cursive too but that's a whole different thing <laughs> <laughs> well so adrian one of the things you know i said about you in the intro that people might be less familiar with is that you're a reconciliation advisor and can you help our listeners kind of understand generally what that is and then even maybe a little bit of you know how you found yourself um, in that role certainly so it was a title that I actually got to um, make for myself (laughs) Um, so I was doing some work with a lovely woman named Pamela Standing and she works for the Minnesota Indigenous Business Association Um, and we were doing some side, I was doing side work with her just on contract. We had many great conversations about, you know, social justice, all kinds of stuff came up and throughout our times. And one day she called me and she said, Hey, uh, I've been reached, you know, getting reached out to by this company, didn't name them at first. And they're, you know, done some appropriating and they want to redo or re, you know, better their situation. And she was like, I know some people are like right away, absolutely no, like had zero want to take that on. How do you feel? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I'm here to listen. I'll listen and I'll have a first conversation. And um, I ended up having a first conversation with both Jory Miller Sharer and David Miller, who are president and CEO, who are also daughter and father. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I felt the the genuine care and compassion and I, I felt like they really were in it for the right reasons and that it wasn't just a one and done situation and it was going to be something that was going to be ongoing and continuing. And so therefore something I could get behind and we kind of, you know, started, it, it started with where do we go from here? How do we even start this process? They knew that they had been getting called out for years that they wanted to make some changes. Um, and they just didn't know how, where do we start? You know, I, I think in this work and I know it, you know, you can take a wrong step and say the wrong thing so easily. And I don't blame them for being scared or nervous about it. Um, and so it took us a lot of time and a lot of just talking about what felt comfortable for them as a business, as, as people. Right. And, um, yeah, then I decided that I would kind of have a role with them, which which has ended up actually Jory and I meet every Monday and talk about like all the things that are coming up right now. We just rolled out um, the shoes that I'm <laughs> that I'm wearing with a Red Lake uh, native artist named Lucy Shefty. She would be the first beaded artwork by an actual indigenous native american that minnetonka has had on their shoes in their whole 75 years which sounds maybe amazing to some people because obviously that's like the you know shtick of it the whole idea of the appropriation um but yeah so we have a lot in the works and there's actually uh four well five artists including myself right now that are working behind the scenes to redo 
fabrics, beading designs, um, web tapes, uh, redoing like the conches that are on the silver metallic pieces that are on the shoes to have them actually be authentic native design instead of native inspired. Right. So it's kind of a whole revamp of the line, which has been appropriated all this time. So making it legit. (laughs) So yeah, we kind of were just in a room and they were asking me what I thought my job title should be. And I was like, let's do reconciliation advisor. One thing that came up that was really interesting was the word moccasin actually is an Anishinaabe word. Moccasinun means shoes or, and so even like we called, like this was my favorite new word that I learned that I did not honestly know is their PR person was like, oh, it's an anglicization. And I was like, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I was like, of moccasinun, the Anishinaabe right. word, right? So new things, we'd even talked about that. Um, yeah, it's really been interesting and a learning experience all around for me and for, you know, the artists that we're working with for them, even in contract and in the, you know, business law end of how do we do this right? How do we guarantee that, you know, these art pieces aren't taken advantage of outside of Mm -hmm. and appropriated again, right? right now that they're out, right? How do they safeguard it as a company too? So it's just been lots of learning really fun (laughs) there's there's so much about your job I want to dig into I want to take a I want to take a half step back though um and refer to another interview that I heard with you where I just stopped and really sat with something that you shared which was about how when the company started you had family members who were um selling goods um and you you tried to paint a picture for for people to try to understand how it must have felt to have these handmade beautiful pieces that they were trying to, you know, sell for their livelihood and then have a company that mass produced um, these designs that were taken from, from your relatives and others. And um, were and this was during a time when native people were being persecuted for their religion, their language was not allowed in schools, etc. So I just want, I wondered if you, for, for folks who are maybe like, why is this even important? Just really help help to unpack why this work is important for the deep lineage of harm that's been created. Sure. So just to go a little bit further Thank on you. that. Yes. Yeah. On that. Um, so I live in Mille Lacs. Um, that's, I live actually on the East shore. Most of the tribal land or part of my reservation reserve my, yeah, I don't even know. I hate all of those words, <laughs> but the lands um, are on the West side of the lake near mm-hmm. Grand Casino Mille Lacs. Uh, there back in the early 1900s all the way through to the 60s, 70s was a place called Fort Mille Lacs. And then also there is a, that is where the Mille Lacs Indian Museum and Trading Post exists. Um, even in my growing up, I'm 39 and I remember Fort Mille Lacs existing and um, you'd walk into that place and it would have like actual native art, like handmade jingle dresses, moccasins, um, birch bark, everything that Anishinaabe people made. And they would even have these like, (laughs) like kind of the only way I can describe it is like wild bill type shows where they would have Ojibwe people dancing Mm -hmm. in their style and, you know, with the drum, everything. And it was kind of like my family in specific, they made birch bark, but there was families who did a, 
plethora of other things, right? right? And they're on 169. My grandma would talk about that her grandparents and even parents, her dad sold those birch bark house, bird houses, right? That I have a couple, they're beautiful, right? Handmade, amazing. And all of those folks relied on that money because Lax has always been a tourism area, even back then, right? And so what I, in an employee meeting and even with the Millers, I pointed out to say like, here backs up this truck of Minnetonka moccasins to now sell in these spaces that were meant for indigenous art, right? right? What did that do? How did that impact just Malax? And, and, and that's not the only place, you know, I mean, there, you go up north, you go down south, anywhere that that was happening, that native folks had a place to sell their goods because, you know, like, that's the other part. I've had a lot of conversations in my career, in my life. And, you know, I get the old, why didn't they just do the bootstraps? And like native people didn't have that. Like that was the way they were trying to fit into this colonized economy. Right. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, people couldn't get jobs. People didn't have those skills for many years. Ojibwe culture and belief systems weren't allowed to be happen, you know, to happen either, like right. drum, any of that. But then we have this company that comes and wants to like take on that idea, take on that livelihood of it when it wasn't okay to be it naturally. But as long as I'm coming and taking them shoes and we're calling them something else, you know, mm -hmm. the way we pronounce it even is just, I think it, that that paints a bigger picture of, of the theft and of the, you know, why it was so damning. I think that's why I feel great about the work now is, you know, with Lucy, um, she's getting her work out there in a way I feel like ancestors would be proud. I'm just like, mm -hmm. that's how it should have always been. Yeah. Right. Ask, pay for it, help us lift up yes. that work that you want to take and make your money on. If you have the ability, cool, you're still making money, but you can lift other people up in right. that work too. And that's like what I feel like my job is there. Deep. It's yeah, deep. No, yeah. it is. It is. Like, There's yeah. like six questions yeah. rolling through my head right now. Um, but I'm going to pull on that thread of it being deep. Um, I mean, you know, you're one person sitting in this space and the harm is, is generational. I mean, right. You're, you're naming relatives and, and, and sort of the harm that they experienced. Um, how, when you're helping a, a company go through sort of reconciliation work like this, how do you protect yourself in doing this work? I <laughs> rely deeply on, I was very, very fortunate and um, to have elders that I've worked with throughout my life that have taken me under their wing, taught me the way that they believe and think and um, you know dreams they had. And I think centering that in all of the work that I've ever done has been the way that I protect myself. And that's like on even deeper than we just talked about, like that's on spiritual level. Some of them aren't here anymore. Um, and just, and trusting my friends too, you know, like, cause we all had the same experiences and Hey, what do you all think about this? And a lot of them were like, you, who's a better person than you? You have that, those elders, guidance you have like you know a north star that is really 
strong in yourself to do the work the right way. And yeah, it was like, <laughs> you make me go really deep here. I'm almost getting emotional about it, but really it was, it was scary because I just, you know, I, it was like, I did feel that I'm like, yeah, who else? Because I could think about it. Like someone else who might not have had my same experiences being able to name those things, to feel it, to have it in my family or, and I'm not to say because it's not anyone else's fault either that they don't have it because right. of the trauma, colonization, all of it. Right. Like, but I just thought if not me, then who, and one time I had a really great mentor who was like, talked about if we're not going to pick up those swords of power, bad people could pick them up too. And we have yes. to be like the ones to grab it sometimes, yeah. even if you don't think you're worthy right. of it. And so I was like, okay, I can do this. I got, I got <laughs> this. And I just, yeah, that's kind of how I protect myself. And yeah, I like rely on that knowledge that was instilled in me. Thank you for sharing that. I really yeah, appreciate yes. that. Super. I, I had a, a, a <laughs> we're going there. Yeah, no, <laughs> I had a related question because I was very um, touched by a, a quote that you shared um, about an eld one of the elders. Um, you, she, you quoted her saying she felt like everyone deserved a chance to change. Everyone deserved to be educated and that they deserve, deserved a chance to prove that their words and apologies had meaning behind them. And that was part of the comfort you took in, in that guidance and taking this job. But along with what Nadege is saying or asking about, like, how do you how do you take care of yourself? I was curious about how as a broker among these and between these different communities, what your life is like trying to communicate and share perspectives when people just in society today, we do not hear each other. But you're in a very unique role where you're you're trying to broker this information. So just kind of curious how, how you do that. It's a day in, in the life of <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that it, for me, the, the brokering started on the home front, like mm -hmm. in my daughter's school, the other like fun fact about me is that my oldest daughter who's 19 has cerebral palsy and anyone who's has a medically, you know, in need child, you're in that school a lot, complaining about yeah. a lot of different things. Um, and I think that that honestly, to, I'm always on some deep stuff. Anybody who talks to me, even Jory and I's Monday meetings were like, somehow we go into almost crying. No, I'm just kidding. But it gets deep. Yeah. But I, I've honestly give all that the strength, right? Yeah. Like my daughter's situation has made me push harder for it. Like it's changed my heart in a way to like want good for everyone because yeah. my life's been very hard because of that. Mm -hmm. So um, the thing that's happened, I was very fortunate and this was my idea, the commonality of what I hear of how I do it and how mm -hmm. I maybe do it well is that I can put it into a story. I can, I don't, um, maybe, and this is my <laughs> personal thing of like 15 years of therapy. Like I don't carry that necessary anger anymore, like outwardly. And I think that I've just done the work enough specifically in schools too. And, and where I live up North, mm -hmm. nobody's hearing it. Right. Like I feel <laughs> there was many times I, I've had jobs at, working with like equity um, in education, yeah. right. In a school where we think we're having issues being heard in a city. Like mm -hmm. I, I always, 
up north is completely, you know, because the tables are turned there and it's like, you know, you're, you're, you are literally the 1% right. or, you know, yeah. so I think it's just that. But one thing I will share on that note about how, how I do broker between it is I think I've found good ways of, of being calm, being understanding, being of both ends. Right. And to, I think the one thing that came up, what I was saying in that conversation with Stephanie and David was that there has to be room for shame, Mm -hmm. has to be room for shame. And if in that moment you meet that shame with anger, you're losing it. You lost that opening to get through. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes (laughs) a, you know, it takes practice. I'll say that. And I think understanding to allow that space, because a lot of times that's where we who've been trespassed upon find that anger real quick. Like, you know, like, well, we'll, that's the moment where some people want to like go for the throat, right? Because, oh, you feel it now, you feel it finally, right? But it has to be like allowed, it has to be explored in that moment. And honestly, I really felt that Jory and David and Stephanie together, it was a new and different experience for them to be able to share that shame they felt going forward. Because both of them said when we started, that's where we were. Like completely nowhere to go. We were just kind of treading water, right? And we didn't know what the next move was. We knew we needed to do it. We felt compelled We and we felt, you know, the shame of it. So how do you, what's the next move? And that's where, you know, for them, (laughs) one of the best compliments, and I think I've said it on another podcast is David's like, I don't know how you do this, but you'd make really hard conversations really feel easy. And you talk about the tough stuff with a smile. And I'm like, do I? Like, because I've done it other ways too and had to like, you know, been in meetings where it wasn't that way. But I think- you know, people have to be ready too, and themselves. Yes. I don't think that it, you know, just any company can, that's why I wanted that meeting. I think that's a really like impactful point to talk about is like, you shouldn't just do this work because you're getting called out. If it doesn't speak to you, don't call me and expect me to explain it to you to make it make sense yeah. because if it should already at least be that far for you or you're not doing it for the right reasons anyway. So don't do it at all. I mean, in a way, that, that's like a secondary, third area, whatever level harm. Yeah. That if you're like, oh, we got called out. Yeah. Let's call somebody, get a couple of meetings, get a press do a shot, landing right? Like yeah. move it along. That's actually almost worse. Yep. Yeah. You're just compounding the injury. Right. And and one thing Jory says that I really do appreciate, she's like, this is the most important work that I'll ever do. And she's like, and this work will go on within that company forever. Like they're completely like committed to it and that's super meaningful. So lots of love for Mintanka on that, you know? Cause it's right. like when he first started, I was like, mm, uh, I don't know. But then like, yeah, Jory's my buddy now. So we're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we get into really good conversations and it's just, I'm, I'm excited for the artists that are going to be coming up through, right. you know, the products and, everything else. And it's, to me, that's the, that's the heart, heart work of it. And I honestly feel like super grateful every day to do the work that I do. And 
it was like, yeah. And this happening was such a turn point for me. Like all of my prior work, I've always been an artist, but I did a lot of youth work prior mm -hmm. to this happening. And the pandemic like pushed me in a different direction. I ended up meeting Pam and then the Minnetonka and then I'm on NPR and like three weeks after that is crazy. <laughs> so yeah, like very cool. Um, amazing. I, I love, I love the work that I'm doing with them and it's very like okay. inspiring every day. Well, and I wanted to mention for our listeners, just in terms of the outcome mm -hmm. on, on the website, um, they talk about the reparations that they're making and there's some very specific steps so people can go dig into to that work. And if you don't mind me jumping in, Nadege, I had, no, a, I had a question about, um, cause you're, you're talking about this for those companies. And there's so many that have, whether intentionally or unintentionally over time, um, harmed specific communities, if not many communities and philanthropy, which we work in is not without its, its problematic history. Right. And so I'm just wondering what advice you might have for, for those organizations or individuals or leaders who really authentically are ready to do the work and make that next move. I think, well, depending on what the work is what the work specifically. Is. Very, yes. I, you know, I think, and I want to just say one piece to what I said too, because mm -hmm. I, I want to go back to saying not to, if, if it doesn't align and you don't see it right now of why it should align and why you're getting called out, not to not do it, but <laughs> maybe educate yourself right. more yes. first before you go and try to just gloss over something. Cause I mm -hmm. always believe there's a, I've had a lot of people that I thought, oh my gosh, why does this people person keep coming to this meeting? All they're doing is just going against me every time. But then eventually they have their moment, you know? Yeah. So I just want to yeah. say that, go back and say like, I do believe you can, people can change, but it's like, there has to be a level of education that has to be the done learning. on your own yes. first. It can't yes. always come on the backs of people of color, like, yeah. or pay us period. Um, to do, help you do that work. Point, yeah. Exclamation <laughs> point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, you know, one thing that also I will say that, that has, I've heard echoed in this work that I've been doing is there isn't, it isn't always easy to find a me, right. The, mm -hmm. Somebody that can help you through that process. Mm -hmm. PR firms are generally mm -hmm. not people of color that have right. been in experience. And so it's hard for people to find how do I, what's, how do I do this right? right? So it's kind of made me think of, and being on the, the TCB podcast talking yeah. to um, Allison, she was like, you're an entrepreneur. You should, this is like a thing. And I was like, I'm just me, you know, like, and we kind of went back and forth right. on that. Cause I don't see it like that. Like I just, I still get amazed at all of it. Right. But I just feel like I'm just me in my little house on the rest. <laughs> Truly. Um, but I think, you know, reach out to folks, you know, um, I have a website mm -hmm. and I think that there Which are we'll share. Yes. Yep. And there are other folks like me willing to help, yeah. willing to, I love the word educate. I think that's the most important word in this work. Um, yeah. And just to get yourself prepared to to really dig in because yeah. I think it's, it's so much less is, and I'll say that specifically in philanthropy, it's, it's not easy work. It's not like we're going to just put all these little check, all these boxes. Yeah. Like it's going to be a deep dive for you as a person. Right. That, th that work can't happen without that. So yeah, I don't, I, and I think that's an interesting concept because 
so many of us, maybe some people aren't that into their work and maybe some people are and it's like, you know, but, but to do this, you have to, it's going to change you right. and in your job or whatever it is. So right. I hope your job is mm-hmm. that meaningful to you. Right. Because I think it, those two things go so hand in hand with the want and the why and the, yeah, moving it forward. Thank you for that. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, when you enter this work there, you know, there's sometimes the energy of anger, like burn it all down. It shouldn't exist. And, um, but I've heard, you know, not necessarily specifically with the companies you've worked for, but could you envision um, a scenario where reconciliation means like turning it over? like stepping out of the way of this thing that you've created and that you've sort of built on the backs of others. And rather than giving others a little piece, you actually just give it away. I could see that in many scenarios. Would it really happen logically <laughs> in today's capitalist I society mean, is, is another question. There'd be a lot question. of contracts in place, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, there's like a huge push in indigenous communities, like in this, you know, like kind of hashtag land back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's happening in some cases. Right. Um, and it's, I, I'm shocked that it's on tables because it's it, it blows my mind. But, you know, and I think in those types of situations, where and I think I think about this in a really <laughs> different way because the county that I live in has been fighting my tribe over reservation mm-hmm. boundaries right. for like since I was in high school or before obviously way before that but in the court systems for a long time even just on boundaries that the tribe doesn't own anymore right like it's technically still reservation but it's still owned by county Minnesota residents and there's always this like back and forth like well if we say that's the boundary then the tribe's gonna start taxing and there's like this so when I think of it (laughs) I have a totally Mm -hmm. like skewed view of when it could possibly happen just because I've only seen people fight tooth and nail just even for like like we have these signs that went up on the actual borders of the (laughs) the reservation and they've been like shot up so many times Mm -hmm. just because they're they're there. Right. right? Yeah, because they exist. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I, it would be lovely if, but here's what I see. Here's what I see if, if so that I can look at this in an everybody win scenario and the work that I'm doing. If like, let's all use Minnetonka as the example. If Minnetonka has done all of this and appropriated and made their life's fortune on the, you know, on the backs of indigenous art we'll say that I think it should be their life's mission then to make sure that they're raising up indigenous people to maybe be their own shoe designers to potentially grow their own business to uh, give back to the community in some way through which are actually things that we've talked about to like allow artists to teach traditional arts Um, how do we support that right like so I feel like Maybe it's not a like turning it over, but a building it back in just the same amount of energy that it was taken so easily. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I, I, I think that it's just so hard for me to yeah. think about someone being that cool. Like honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I mean, know you're right. In a, yeah. in a wonderful like, world, I see. I, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like. You know, because it's come up in conversations even with Minnetonka. Like you should give it to 
Indian people because you know what I mean? And I'm just like, well, then what do the Millers do? You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's a legit question. And right. you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you've painted a picture of a beautiful reinvestment of, I mean, I think that's what reconciliation like is growth. now. And I heard something yeah. on, I'm like a total NPR nerd, but I, <laughs> I listened and I had heard something that said like somebody was talking about the, the Rondo neighborhood and yeah. they said, this isn't just today or tomorrow or one policy. Right. This is going to be work that continues just as long as the oppression continued. And I was like, love that. Love that. So that's what I think about it. Like if we can't do these turnovers, then you better work just as hard the other way, you know, like that's (laughs) real, like that's it. That's real reconciliation. (laughs) Yeah. To me. But yeah, I have a weird view of it because of, like I said, the County and that whole vibe, like, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so can I ask a last question yes, I'm gonna, like, yes. sneak one in and I'm going to totally change the direction because I mean you know the work that you do is deep and it's important and it's impactful but also like what are you doing that brings you joy we love to we love to paint a fuller <laughs> picture absolutely man I get joy from my creativity so we talked, we talked a little bit about me at the beginning of being a dressmaker, a master dressmaker. <laughs> I don't consider myself that. I, I love it and I do it. Other people have said that about me and that's lovely. But I, oh my gosh, like get the most joy sitting behind my sewing machine. And that's honestly what keeps me sane. Like just, I can sit there for hours and make and make. And the one thing that I love is creating for my community. And I'm really blessed to be able to do that. Um, I make ribbon skirts, jingle dresses. I even bead hats. I do all kinds of things. And like, for me, the joy is in the making, but it's also like me getting to see it out there and, and, you know, alive, so to say. And which is even cooler because a lot of things um, in the Ojibwe language live, like are alive, like beadwork and stuff like that is like actually beads are alive too uh, in our language. And I think about that when I see my work, out and about. And I think it's so cool like that it gets to, to live. Right. And, and even just deeper than that, we always got to take it deeper, but like, <laughs> that's me. That's my reconciliation. That's my like resistance, right. Is to continue to dress my people beautifully because I was given those gifts to do that. And that's like a cultural spiritual thing for me. So that's where I get my joy. Wow, that was a that was a great wrap. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, for, thank you, thank you for your yeah, time today. For yeah, being here with thank us. you. This was really fun and very. Got, we 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 went all over yeah, the we place. <laughs> Another great one. I mean, I, seriously. I just we picked the best guests. We we do right. Yes, yes, we do. Ugh, I'm just there. There are so many things that that I wrote down that Adrian said, but right. actually, it it was something. It was not something that she said that really struck me. It was something that I've observed in her and actually maybe other, and I might say female guests, but you know, Mm -hmm. like it could be all our guests, but uh, the concept of tears and like the concept of having deep conversations that get you to tears. I know I do this, like this sort of like tears are, are a sign of weakness Mm. in a conversation Mm -hmm. or tears are a sign that like the conversation has gone astray. Yeah. Everything she said was so powerful and so personal yes. and so sort of rooted at the core. I wonder, like, 
how can we reframe tears not as a sign of weakness, but as a manifestation of deep and important and critical feeling and thinking and being? That's I, I'm really glad you're bringing this up because as I was sitting in her presence and she, I mean, obviously people are listening to us, they can't see us, but she definitely had um, tears in her eyes and she was very emotional. I felt so honored to right. but honored by her vulnerability and honored by her the strength that it took for her to share you know her journey with us and so yes there there wasn't any weakness in that it was definitely a presence and so i do think we should talk about how we can show up different in spaces that are you know quote unquote professional for right. example right. how we can be seen as the gift yes. that it is that somebody is able to be that. To go that open and vulnerable. To that place with yeah. us, yes. You know, related to that, or maybe not related, but something that um, I wrote down when she was talking and has come up with some of our other guests as well is the importance of therapy mm-hmm. and really yeah. owning it and talking about how it has brought her to this point on her journey. And um, I just, I really appreciated that too, because it is so critical. Right. And um, I think we talked about it with Sarah when she was talking about social media and the way, the way that she takes care of herself as part of that. So there's a lot that our guests bring beyond the subject matter. Beyond the subject matter and just sort of reinforcing ways that we can all show up in our lives and, and sort of be better versions of ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot for people who are listening to this to reflect on both just from a practical standpoint, like where do we need this, this, her position in our organizations, as well as how do we show up as humans who are, you know what? I'm just thinking of this now. She talked to about how she is herself. She's the unique person to do this job. And a lot of that is probably because of her willingness to be open in that way. So yeah, thank you for connecting those dots for me. Yeah, anyway. no, absolutely. I, I'm going to be thinking about this one for a long time. Me too. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You. You can find us on Facebook at I So Appreciate You Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at So Appreciate You. We'd also appreciate you taking a moment to write us a review. And if you like our show, be sure to follow I So Appreciate You on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Have a question or topic suggestion? Email us at podcast at spmcf.org. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You.